This is Horticulture Hangover with Colleen Dieter and Leah Turner. Call or text your lawn and garden questions to 512-836-0590. Yay. Hey, Good morning. Good morning, Colleen. Good morning, Leah. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. Good. This is the Horticulture Hangover. Yeah. I'm Colleen Dieter with atxgardens.com. And I'm Leah Cherner with deltadongardens.com. Yeah. And speaking of Delta Dawn, uh-huh. guess what I did this week? What? I saw Tanya Tucker. You did? Yes. Where? It was a taping, an ACL Austin City Limits taping. Yay. Um, at the Moody theater that's so cool have you ever seen her before no oh, it was the first time that's really cool and yeah kevin and nathan won tickets and nathan said leah you should you're gonna enjoy this more than i am so you take up my ticket so i went with kevin and um it was really really great she was so good she sounded amazing oh good and she was like really funny oh she did a lot of like funny dancing and you know it's just kind of Funny, making funny jokes and stuff like that. She was like a really great performer. So anybody, if you ever get a chance to see Tanya Tucker, I recommend it. And she closed with Delta Dawn, and she said it was her favorite song to sing. And I was just like, that was so great. And um, and then so it's good. It was taped for the PBS show, so it'll be. I'm gonna have to watch it. Yeah, when it comes out. Yeah, same here. I would love to see it. Yeah. Oh, that was a lot of fun. So glad. Yeah, it's great. Very cool. Well, y'all, this is a gardening show, uh-huh. and uh, you can call us with gardening questions at 512-836-0590 or 877-590-5525, and you can also text us at those numbers with questions about trees vegetables perennials flowers yeah house plants even sure you can send us pictures of mystery plants via text if you are trying to identify something um yeah we've got record heat in the forecast yeah which is kind of terrible not great it's been rough it's been rough i haven't been outside a whole lot I was out a few, couple of mornings this week uh, walking. Oh, I got to go to a Karst Preserve yesterday morning. I thought you said yeah. a Karst, Karst, like oh, a Karsted Preserve. Like a Karst Preserve? <laughs> yeah, Karst Preserve. Where? Um, Southwest Austin is Western Oaks Village of Western Oaks has a Karst Preserve. They have four, I think they said... No, shoot. Now I'm going to fail the quiz. Four, four caves on the property. And I'm doing some tree risk assessment work for them. They have a trail that goes through the preserve with lots of trees. And they are a little bit concerned about some of the trees um, possibly having broken branches or falling into the walkways or trees with defects that might fall in the walkway. So um, I'm going to do a big tree risk assessment report for them 
for oh, wow. all their trees. Yeah. How, yeah. How big is the area? Um, there was some debate over how big that slice of it is. I think they have 18 acres preserved altogether. Yeah. And um, so we were talking about the caves. I was learning about the caves from the cave experts. And um, that was really fascinating hearing about how all the caves are connected to each other mm-hmm. and um, all the critters that live in the caves and don't come out of the caves. Like it's really what? neat. Like all kinds of crickets and bats. and oh, there are bats, okay. Yeah, and um, there's a particular type of bat that lives in the, ca- in the summertime. Or let's see what they say. They live in the cave part of the year and then in the summer they come out and live in the trees to have babies oh yeah which was neat because i didn't know i didn't know that bats would live in trees yeah at all so that was neat that gave me another exciting tree fact yeah so that was really cool and um but they were talking about ticks and how um they have seen more ticks living in the caves really now yeah Oh. But they don't know why. I'm so confused about ticks. Yeah, I, I know. Me too. I grew up in Texas, mm-hmm. North Texas, and the ticks was just, they were just not on my radar. Mm-hmm. But then I was talking to my mom yesterday, and she said that she remembers getting ticks when she was a kid, like in Central Texas. And so I'm, I, got, I was just like, I don't know. Are there ticks here? Are there not ticks here? It sounds like there are ticks here. Yeah. I think in certain areas... Where'd your mom grow up? Did she grow up in North Texas too? Oh, in Lockhart? Yeah. So what I have heard, and I don't know if this is true, and this might be worth a call to Wizzy Brown to ask more about ticks. Um, She's an entomologist. The uh, Travis County AgriLife Extension entomologist. And um, I was thinking, it seems like they live in places where it's sandy, like sandy with sandy soil and not so much with clay soil. So I think if you're in an area that's like, yeah, closer to water. Actually, you know what? She said she would get them at camp and she was probably at camp Mm. somewhere in East Texas now that I'm Mm. thinking about it because that's where a lot of the lakes are and stuff. I bet she was in East Texas. Because a friend of mine who used to live in Montopolis, he, or I think he still lives in Montopolis, told me they have them in that neighborhood. Really? And um, yeah, yeah, because it's, sandy soil over there are they deer born i don't know that's because yeah i don't think of deer over there yeah me neither but i guess there could be sure i don't see why there wouldn't be depending on where you're at well because yeah because like roy guerrero park and circle acres have have deer they do okay there's Hmm. deer over there for sure there's coyotes and stuff over there Mm Hmm. so maybe so they said they've uh, been seeing more ticks. Just in the cave. Just this one cave. <laughs> it was Strange. weird. Like just in the entrance of the cave. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was really strange. Wow. Yeah, so yeah. if anybody has tick uh, tick facts, uh-huh. let us know. Text you can us. call us or text us. Tell text. us, have you had ticks in text, Texas? Text us your tick facts. Text us your Yes. Say that three times. <laughs> yes. I will not even try. <laughs> uh, we never, I never had them when I was growing up. Really? In Ohio, in Cleveland. Interesting. We didn't, but we were so citified. We were in the city, you know. Yeah. I mean, 
But Eric, where he grew up in southern Indiana, they had them. Huh. Um, their dogs would get them all the time. So, but it wasn't like a huge number. It wasn't like, oh my gosh. It wasn't like how it is in the Northeast now. Uh-huh. It wasn't anything like that. And I, don't, I still don't think it is. I'm not sure. Because they don't talk. It's not like they talk about. They don't talk about it a whole lot, mm-hmm. you know. So I should ask them. Yeah. Especially because they moved into the forest because they live in the, Eric's parents live in the forest now. They lived oh. more in like farmland before. You know, so now maybe there's more around their new place. Yeah, I mean, and it's like, how do they get to the cave? <laughs> you know? Yeah, I right. Mean, just so many questions. I know. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, it was interesting, but they have to be really careful about um, the kinds of, you know, they can't use any pesticides or anything because it can kill like everything in the cave. Mm-hmm. So they have yeah, to be real very sensitive about stuff. Yeah. Delicate ecosystem mm-hmm. in there. It is, yeah. I'm going to Bracken Cave. You are. In like two weeks. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I've never been there. Have you ever been there? I've never been. Oh. Um, I'm really excited. That's so cool. So it's the, I think it's the world's largest bat place. It definitely, ever. yeah, there's some <laughs> bat place ever. Yeah, it's a, there's some superlative that goes along with. Bracken Cave, I know. I don't know which one it is, if it's the largest colony of a particular type of bat. Okay, or, here we go. It's the right. summer home to the largest colony of bats in the world. Oh, wow. An estimated 20 million Mexican free-tailed bats roost there from March to October, making it the largest known concentration of mammals. What? Period. Whoa. It's pretty cool. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. That's amazing. So, yeah, it's like a whole... You have to... Um, Get tickets through Bat Conservation International. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm going with my parents. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm really excited, yeah. Oh, I hope you have a great time. I hope, yeah. I've heard it's incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm really excited. That's so cool. I can't wait to hear all about it. You'll have to tell all the listeners, too. Yeah. I got to go to the Frio bat cave once um, near Concan and that's another one that's pretty big and it was it's really cool because the terrain where you're where you stand to see the bats come out of the caves um, is real low or like you're you're kind of like up high I can't explain it like you're standing up in a place that's high and the cave is lower than mm. you. So when they come out, they're like right above your head. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's really cool. And there were, um, oh, owls and like other night flying raptors like waiting to catch the bats as they flew out too. So you saw this whole like ecosystem unfolding. It's so cool. Everyone coming out to hunt. Yeah. Yeah, they said that, that the really bracken there might we might see a ringtail maybe because oh their ringtails hang out outside <laughs> the cave too, what? trying to catch a bat. I guess they catch bats. I mean, what? I don't know how they would do it, but they maybe they bat falls or something. I'm yeah, not sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Oh my gosh, I want to see a ringtail so bad. 
I don't really want to see a ringtail catch a bat, though. That would make me sad. But I just want to see a ringtail, period. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm obsessed with them. I want to see one so bad. I saw that video of the one in your neighborhood that one time at Zilker Park. There was like a pair of them playing in Zilker oh Park. Gosh. Oh, they're so cute. Ringtail cats. <laughs> <laughs> well, that would be really cool if you got to see them. Yeah. How many people do they let in there? I have no idea. I think it's, I think it's maybe, I don't know. I think it's kind of a smaller group, but I don't know. Yeah. You know, never been. Okay. So. Wow. I can't wait to hear all about it. I will tell you about it. So should we go to a break? Yeah, let's do it. Break time. This is Horticulture Hangover with Colleen Dieter and Leah Turner. Call or text your lawn and garden questions to 512-836-0590. Hey, good morning, y'all. Good morning. That's my friend Leah sitting across from me. Leah, what are you about? I'm a landscape designer in Austin with Delta Dawn Gardens. And Colleen, tell me about you. I'm Colleen Dieter, and I'm a landscape consultant. And you should check out my website at atxgardens.com. And listen up, listeners. You should call us with your gardening questions. 512-836-0590 or 877 877- Five nine zero five five two five. You can text us too. Okay, yeah. And Colleen was just telling me during the break about a fascinating peach. Yeah, I found. Find. Yes, I found these peach trees that I'm so excited about. Um, I read an article years and years ago about these peaches that Native Americans had been growing in uh, canyons in the Four Corners region. And uh, my understanding is that the peaches, uh, peaches were brought over by the Spanish missions, missionaries. So um, Spanish started growing the peaches and then the Native Americans took some and started planting them uh, in the cooler canyons around water sources and um, and they didn't really, you know, prune them a whole lot or anything. And I think they selected for good tasting fruit and, um, just let the peaches grow these particular peaches in over hundreds of years. Um, they developed a variety that doesn't need a whole lot of care and still makes pretty delicious fruit and grows on its own roots, which is really what everyone wants. Um, And so I saw one of the local nurseries, Lone Star Nursery, which is online only, and you order from their website and they deliver to your house, um, that they started growing these peaches that somehow they found seeds from the Indian peach, it's called the Indian peach. And, <clears throat> they started growing them and I bought three of them because I was oh, so wow. excited. Yeah. And I'm not sure where I'm going to plant them yet, but I had them in the back of my mind for years after reading that article. And it, I think it was the same article that the person from 
Lone Star Nursery said on their website that they read an article and have been looking for seeds ever since. Wow. Okay, mm-hmm. so I found this. Yeah, I found this on their website, LoneStarNursery.com. It says, peaches have, peaches have grown in the Four Corners area for generations. Although peaches are not native to America, genetic analyses show that these peaches are significantly different from modern cultivars. Hmm. Scholars believe that the Pueblo communities in the Southwest were the first to receive peach seeds from the Spanish. These small peaches fruit tremendously in three years from seed. The seeds grow true, unlike commonly grafted varieties. Mm -hmm. Navajo or Indian peach is disease resistant, drought tolerant, and able to withstand harsh winters. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. really cool. I know. So we'll see how they do here in Central Texas because, you know, the soil is going to be different and it's more humid here. Yeah, it's not high desert. So, yeah. So I'm sort of like, hmm, wondering, also wondering what kind of chill at, chill hours they need. So while I'm really excited about them, I'm also cautiously uh, optimistic so we're uh, figuring it out, you know, we'll see. Because they might get more full, you know, more like uh, fungal diseases from the mm-hmm. humidity and we have clay soil and I would imagine the soils around Four Corners are probably more um, mineral rich and mm. that kind of thing. So we'll see. That's so but, crazy that they mm-hmm. come true from seed. From seed, I know, yeah. Yeah, so there's something about the genetics. But yeah, um, I see that we have a text message. And yeah, okay. I'll read it. Okay. Someone says, can you recommend any foliage plant that can take this full Texas sun here in Austin during the summer with low water usage? I've tried cannas and they turn brown and ragged. I've used flame acanthus, Texas sage, and they're a little larger than what I would like. Mm. I do not have irrigation in the spots where I want to plant, and I will not be planting anything until the weather cools off significantly, which is good. Mm-hmm. Um, That's hmm. a toughie. It's hard to get foliage plants in full sun with no irrigation, for sure. Yeah. Um, I know usually as landscape designers, I always think if I need foliage in full sun, I use agaves or cacti instead for like a big, bold mm-hmm. leaf look. You know what I mean? Yeah, like um, a... So tall would be nice. Oh, that's a great idea. Wheeler's Wheeler's so tall. He has the silver one. That'll give you a little more. That silver color is really nice. There's also a spineless so tall. There is. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's sold around here. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's very cool. Um, yeah, because you know the so tolls are really really pokey. Oh, they're yeah. It's yeah. But I prefer them to agaves because they are much more cold hardy. Yes. Then the agaves would kind of turn to mush if, you know, if it gets cold enough and then they get real stinky. Great idea. Yeah. Someone suggested Prida Barbados. Yeah. Or Yellow Bell, the Esperanza. 
Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I guess that's kind of, I guess, what is a foliage plant? You know, it's a, those are plants that have flowers and foliage. Yeah. I think of a foliage plant as like, you know, something with big, bold leaves like or like, an plant. yeah, like um, something with like a colorful leaf or something like that, mm. you know, more, more of like a foundation plant. Sometimes I use um, soft leaf yuccas in situations like that, um, which is nice because they can give you a little bit of height over time too. And we've talked about color guard yuccas on this program sure. before. So that's my strategy for... And the yucca rostratas are gorgeous. The big oh, beaked yuccas that I've, have a trunk. Great idea. Yeah. I always forget about them. They're very expensive. Yeah, I know. You know I they're like hundreds why. of dollars. Yeah, I think that's why. But um, let's see, we got yeah. Someone suggested little Ollie, Ollie. Sorry, little Ollie, Olive, oh, yeah. and Color Guard Yucca. Mm -hmm. You know, I haven't seen a lot of olives planted the last couple years since the 2021 mm -hmm. Snowvid took them out. I know. Little ollies were really great, but they're not entirely cold heart, cold hardy. So that's uh, you might lose them unless you're south of town or really right in the middle of town. They would they will die back to the ground and grow back. Um, so you know, a plant that I've been wanting is that velvet leaf mallow. Oh, we got to go to break. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> Welcome to the Horticulture Hangover on News Radio KLBJ. You're in the right place to get answers to all of your questions about your lawn, garden, trees, and more. Here are your hosts, Colleen Dieter and Leah Turner. Hello, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I'm Colleen Dieter with ATXGardens.com. And I'm Leah Cherner with Delta Dawn Gardens. com, and you can call us or text us with your gardening questions. What's that number again? Five one two eight three six zero five ninety, or eight seven seven five nine zero five five two five. Call us up. Yeah, and someone asked us to say the name of the peach we were talking about again. Called Indian peach or Navajo peach, yeah. according to Lone Star Nursery. They are sold out of them. But they're growing more, so get on their mailing list. And they have an alert thing on their website. Even that's what I used. It was really cool when um, they're out of something, then when they listed as being available again they'll send you an alert over oh, email wow. i know it's very it was awesome it's very high tech and i was very happy about it and you were just talking about the velvet leaf mallow before we went to the oh break. yeah and this is a plant i would like to talk about yes have you ever seen it in a nursery no i've never seen it in a nursery where have you seen it growing on the side of the road mm -hmm. i think think maybe at the Lady Bird Johnson Wildflower Center plant sale. Okay. Maybe. Um, and then my friend has a bunch of it growing and I think he took seed. He got the seeds from a friend. 
Okay. Who had it, and they started growing them. Yeah, so this is a, a type of mallow that has a really fuzzy, fuzzy mm-hmm. leaf. And what color is the flower red? It's kind of an orangey Orange. yellow. Okay, I don't think I've ever seen it bloom before, but mm-hmm. I've seen it like in the green belts around town mm-hmm. on trails and stuff. You'll yeah. see it a lot. And um, I found some in uh, at a house that was had demolition fencing around it. So the, f- the house was about to be sh- torn down. Oh, wow. And spotted some and uh, dug it up. Um, Ooh, good. Rescued it, rescued it from the bulldozers, Yay. shall we say, and potted it up. And it's okay. It's I, I have a couple little one gallons of it, and one of them looks better than the other one. They're struggling, but mm. um, just because it's, you know, I'm not watering them enough, probably. But uh, well, but. I think even if you were watering them a lot, they are going through a hard time, and it's thousand degrees outside. So. Yeah. They don't look gorgeous right now, but I'm hoping that I can nurse them through the summer in their pots and then put them in the ground and really, you know, get to see this plant, see how it does Yeah, in a garden. Yeah. Because it's very pretty. Yeah, the ones my friend has look so good and because the, the leaves are so beautiful. Mm-hmm. So if y'all are familiar with um, wax mallow also known as Turk's cap. Um, it looks a lot like that, except the leaves are prettier. Um, and it doesn't have, the flowers don't stand out as much, but the leaves are big like that, and but they're velvety and shiny. And um, I think it's just a really good plant to contrast other plants with smaller leaves. Yeah, so it's called Velvet Leaf Mallow Chisos Mountain False Indian Mallow. That's a long name. Yeah, it's a little, that's a mouthful. The, uh, I don't even want to try the Latin name. Look at that. <laughs> Alausadula holocericea. Alausadula. <laughs> yeah, it's a very yeah. pretty plant. Yeah, it's it's a good one, and I wish it was available in nurseries. I know my friend has been trying to um, propagate them with more or less success, but really the best thing that has happened is that they've come up on their own. So he started out with one or two plants, I think, and now they've spread on their mm. own and come up from seed. So I think I usually see them growing at the edge of woods, Yeah, kind of, like part you know, where they're shaded for maybe half the day and then in full sun the rest of the day with no irrigation, but maybe getting water off of like pavement, extra water off of pavement. Yeah. But. Yeah, I remember seeing it. There's um, there's a creek called Eanes Creek, mm-hmm. which is kind of near Zilker Park behind the Science and Nature Center. Mm-hmm. And there's a nice little walking nice little nature trail that mm-hmm. runs through that creek and up up to the top of the hill over by Mopac, right by where the um the Zilker Clubhouse is. Um and I remember seeing it on that trail. Okay. Recently. Cool. Very pretty. That's great. Someone added that oh, the question is, 
Will woolly stomodia ground cover grow in full sun in the blackland? Yep. I say yes. Yeah. You can water it once a week during summer. Perfect. Yeah. That sounds really good for woolly stomodia mm-hmm. to me. I think, you know, sometimes it could like a little bit of afternoon shade, but um, have you grown it in full sun, Colleen? Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. Totally fine. Yeah. And then I don't think that the blackland clay soil is a, is a problem for it. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty tough, tough place. Uh, it's pretty unstoppable. And yeah. it's beautiful. Woolly stomodia. So beautiful. I prefer it to the uh, silver pony foot. I agree. I couldn't agree more. It's less fussy. Mm-hmm. It's more vigorous, and it's it doesn't it doesn't have the same demands about perfect drainage. Do you have you um, had to cut it back in the winter mm-hmm. before? I I found I was wondering if you also agreed with this. I found that it's easier to cut back than the silver pony foot. Like, logistically easier to yeah. cut back. Do you agree? Yeah, I think so. Because I felt like sometimes when I was using the silver pony foot, like, I couldn't cut it without accidentally pulling it out of the ground. Yeah, it is. Because yeah. it's so delicate. Yeah, I just cut it back when it gets frozen. And then it okay. takes a while to re- it takes a while to regrow. The pony foot? The stomodia. Oh, the stomodia. The stomodia doesn't really, really get going until the summer. Yeah. But it's so pretty... Um, in the summer and the fall. Yeah, it's really great. I really like that plant paired with the um, soft leaf yuccas we were talking about earlier. They look really pretty together. Ooh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Someone said, if I plant my Easter lily, will it come up and bloom next year? Yeah. Yes. Right? Have you ever done that before? I have. Mm-hmm. And I can't say they always bloom again, but they will grow in the ground. Yeah. And put foliage up. Yeah. Um, I know they, they're they forced mm-hmm. in the nursery for Easter so to make them bloom at Easter. And of course, Easter is at a different time of year every year. So all the horticulturists and florists know how to force them to get them to bloom exactly at Easter. And... Um, but if you plant them in the garden, they should bloom on their own more, um, I think, it, around June, hmm. like early June, late May, early June, I think. But sometimes it takes them a couple of years to adjust mm-hmm. from being f- after being forced because they're freaked out. Yeah. <laughs> and I would, put, I would put Easter lily in some... Afternoon shade, probably like morning sun, would be a nice place for that. Guy. I agree with that. Yes, yeah. And if it's a tall type, you'll want to add some kind of support for it too, for it to climb. You know, to hold it, up, hold up the tall stems. But yeah. it is time for another break. Oh. So we'll catch y'all after the commercials. This is Horticulture Hangover with Colleen Dieter and Leah Turner. Call or text your lawn and garden questions to 512-836-0590. All right, we're back. Yeah. Good morning. Welcome back to the Horticulture Hangover. I'm Colleen Dieter with atxgardens.com. And I'm Leah Turner with deltadongardens.com. Yeah, 
We are here to answer some gardening questions, at least for a few more minutes. And then Jeff Ferris will be up after us to answer more gardening questions. We got a fig tree question, Colleen. Okay, let's hear it. Okay. So person texts in and says, my fig tree was hit hard in the freeze, but it ended up having hundreds of figs on it early on. Over the last month, I've picked some very large figs, about two or three a day that were wonderful. Mm -hmm. Now those large ones are gone, and I have ended up with very small figs all over the tree, and they don't seem to be ripening at all, mm -hmm. and they have not eaten one in over a week. What are the chances that these will mature, or is this something you were not able to tell me? Thank you. Yeah, I think they'll mature. Um, I think it would be a good time if you're not watering the tree to give it some supplemental water just once a week, a deep watering. And um, they should ripen. It's just going to take a while. And, um, you know, the trees are just going through such a hard time between all the cold weather that we've had, as you said, and then trying to grow back. And I'm experiencing this with my fig trees a little bit too. Hmm. There's still some small ones. Um, and then, but I have been harvesting some bigger ones as well. And I've seen that going on around town with some other ones. So just, uh, you know, be patient. And what do you think, Leah? Are the figs like more like tomatoes, like that don't really ripen when it gets over like 95 or whatever, or when it gets over the, the I guess it's the nighttime temperatures that are like the determining factor. For that, right? Good question. Yeah, I don't think so. I think the figs can deal with heat. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure the heat's not going to be too big a problem for them. Um, but it is a good idea to try to support them with a little additional water. They can get overwatered more easily than other plants. So you have to don't overdo it. It's just a once a week thing. Someone said fig, some fig trees put on two crops. Yes, that's what I was thinking too. It depends on the variety. Um, there's some varieties that definitely put on two crops like um, brown turkey, Texas everbearing. That's why it's referred to as everbearing. Hmm. So I've had them produce figs even at Thanksgiving time. Um, so, okay. We got yeah. another question. Okay. Someone wrote in, regardless of watering two to three times per week, multiple native hardy species like salvia gregii, uh, skullcaps, pyracanthus, and several others have turned brown. Will they make a comeback? Should I cut them back? I'm thinking they're a goner. Hmm. Now I'm wondering when, when did these plants go in the ground? Were yeah. they planted recently were they planted in june maybe before mm -hmm. they got a chance to really get established before we hit the triple digit temperatures that would in that case if they were recently planted i would say they probably are not coming back mm -hmm. probably just got fried and died and their roots weren't able to to establish yeah. but if they're older plants um i would think that they might just be kind of going dormant because of the heat. I mean, mm -hmm. I've seen the salvia gregiis do that, you know, when they just get just so hot, they can just kind of get brown and mm -hmm. they'll eventually come back. Yeah, it makes me think if they were, if they were established plants, it makes me wonder if there was an outbreak of mites, like spider mites or something um, that, you know, sucked all the juice out of the leaves and caused them all to turn brown at the same time. Um, 
in which case you could cut the plants back and they might grow back. But yeah, if they weren't established plants, then they're probably toast. So yeah, that's the first thing I thought too, Leah, was like, I have a lot of questions. About. Mm-hmm. So maybe if this person who texted next week sent us a photo yeah. of, of your, if they're still brown. Next week, because we're gonna we're about to run out of time. I would scratch the mm-hmm. bark on all the woody ones. You know, yeah. just use your finger, scratch the bark. Is it green under the brown bark, or is it brown under the bark? Mm-hmm. So, is that cambium layer still alive, or is it dead? That's one way mm-hmm. to tell. And that's something we usually do after a freeze, but in this case, mm-hmm. sometimes it's just so hot that we have to see if the plant's still alive under there. Yeah, totally. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um. And I'll just review for everyone the proper planting times. Yes. For woody plants, trees and shrubs, all the plants that are made out of wood, are it's, I think, from September 15th to April 1st. And there's some gray area there. There's definitely tree experts that would disagree with me on some of that, but... Um, that's the best time. So fall, winter, and early spring. For woody plants. For woody plants. Herbaceous plants. What do you say? I say September, October, March, April, May. Hmm. September and October and March, April, May. What do you think, Leah? Yeah, that sounds good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, those when the temps are or mild enough, mm-hmm. not too cold, not too hot. Yeah. The woody plants, most of the woody plants, it doesn't matter if it's going to be too cold. Mm-hmm. But for the perennials, there's, they can be sensitive to the cold. Um, and if you plant them in the winter, there's a chance that they might not grow back in the spring. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's why spring and fall. Yes. So. Yeah. Get your plans and think about what you want to plant in the fall. Mm-hmm. I'm making lists. I'm ready to go. This is the best time of year for planning. That's what I always tell everyone because the plants have reached their maximum size. So you can go out there and see where you have empty spaces. Mm. Um, you can see if the plants have gotten too big and are growing all over each other. You can take stock of like any bulbs that you have that might need to be divided. Um, the spring blooming bulbs like irises. irises yeah. So yeah, start making lists at this time of year, go out in the morning with a beverage and start making some lists. And that's all the time we have. That's right. And so we'll see you next week. Bye everybody. Bye.